My country tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountain side. The chimes of time bring out the news Another day is through Someone slipped and fell Was that someone you You may have longed for added strength New courage to renew Don't run away 
and high it is no secret what God can do what he's done for others he'll do for you with arms wide open he'll pardon you it is His son, they called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He bled and died. Cause 
just for a second. Stand. I know we've got more that's not hearing or they're in the back and I'm looking over, but we want to recognize you this morning and say thank you to each one of you. And we're going to keep praying for those that are fighting for us. Thank you. You may be seated, but we're going to keep praying for those. Keep praying for those that are fighting the fight and pray for one another because we're all fighting the fight this morning. Whether it's in a foreign land or on this land, because if you look around or if you listen to your news feed, you almost don't recognize the country we live. And if we don't get busy praying, you won't recognize it. And you're not going to like it, trust me. I can see it coming, but I want to know, because he lives this morning, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone, and there is not a news feed that can change his plan this morning. There is nothing they can say or do or any law that they can pass that override what Jesus wants to do for us. And let's stand tall for him this morning. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my tomb Till I met you Thank you. 
day when heaven was filled with his praises one day when sin was as black as could be jesus came forth to be born of a virgin he dwelt among men my example is he the word became flesh and the light shined among us his glory revealed oh living he loved me dying he saved me buried he carried my sins far away rising he justified freely forever one day he's coming
inside a chapel. Oh, but Jesus, you are Lord to me. Not a Christmas or an Easter legend or just a page out of history. Come alive. 
church was dying and he went to see her and she was telling him her plans for her funeral and she said I want to be buried in this dress and I want this I want these flowers and she explained the whole thing he said anything else and she said yes she said I want you to put a fork in my hand he said fork she said, yeah, I said, I was raised down in the country. When we would go to church on Sundays, we lived so far away, we'd stay there all day. And we'd have dinner on the ground, and people would bring potluck. And said, then the, sometimes the pastor would come out and say, hold on to your forks. I said, when he said that, I knew there was something better coming. Kurt, church, this ain't it. We got something better coming. This old life ain't nothing without Jesus. And Jesus will take us on home with him. And then you can get your forks out because it's going to be wonderful. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Are you going to miss that for this old world down here? You need to get a hold of Jesus and go let him take you up in the rapture when it happens. And you need to take as many friends as you got there with you. I'm telling you, he's here this morning. And you're right, Debbie. Sometimes we don't recognize when the Holy Spirit's in here moving. You need to get your, your, everything set up and get it all honed on on him. And you'll know when he's here. And I love him this morning. Thank that for them. And uh, God is good. I, I want to go today. We're on, we're on the day of liberty. 
and uh, I was thinking about liberty all week, and I know a couple of weeks ago or so, uh, back at Memorial Day, DJ sung about the Statue of Liberty in New York Harbor. <laughs> and uh, we, have a, we have a symbol that sets in our harbor up in New York with a lady holding a, a torch up. And you know what? That fire of America and the freedom and the liberty that it stands for, it should mean something to everyone in this country. I slowly see, it, see our country losing that, and they're working on our liberties at all the time. But I also know that there, our liberty didn't come because the Statue of Liberty is up there. Our liberty comes from Christ, and it comes from what he did at Calvary, and it comes from what he has promised and what he delivered. And I praise God for what God has brought to us I read a scripture a few weeks ago on, on this day, on Memorial Day, uh, a few weeks ago, and I read this. It was uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17. It says, The Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord, there is liberty. Now, you know, Debbie talked about not recognizing the spirit of God. If you want to find out where your free life is, we want to find out where your rights are, where your freedoms are, they're in Christ. And in Christ, there's liberty. And I want you to hear that because I know that this is a Pentecostal church. I got many friends from all different kinds of churches, and some of them, I don't care what's the name on the top of their church, I can tell you right now, they love God, and they serve God. And they're a witness for him. And I want to talk to you today about being a witness for Christ. And why? Because we have something that you don't realize. You think your freedom is about getting to do what you want. Don't put no laws on me. I want to do what I want to do. And our world is raising our young to think that anything I want to do is okay. I don't have to ask mom and dad if I want to go get an abortion. I don't have to ask mom and dad if I want to be gay. I can do whatever I want to. But I'm going to tell you something. Your freedoms are being taken away from you every day. The enemy has got a plan, and he's working it well. He's working it into this country to steal the freedom. And you've you got to understand what I'm talking about because the freedom of Christ comes by what he has done. And I want to explain that. It comes through the fact that he came and he was anointed and had the spirit of the Lord upon him to set the captives free. I mean, those ones, to bring liberty to us. Now, I've read that all my life, but something struck me this week about it. And I want to get to it because I got something else at the end, something uh, that's really my message on the back. So I got to run through the front real quick. But in Mark uh, 16, 15, you've heard this all your life, this is the purpose of our call. If you ever been the Holy Spirit speak to your heart and you came and gave your heart to Christ, I want to tell you something. If you know that Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, has convicted you and brought you to repent of your sins, I mean, guess what you're called to do? Be a witness. 
You're called to be. You may not like the ideal. You may say somebody else is a whole lot better at it. You might say to yourself, I don't think I'm ever able to talk to people the way you're talking about talking to people. And I'm going to tell you something. It ain't what I think. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. Because God knows exactly when he called you what he wants you to do and where he wants you to go and what kind of a light he wants you to shine to the people that you're going to meet in this life. And that's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear that because Jesus said to the disciples, he said to them, and he said to them, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And I want to tell you something. That was a commission. That was a call. Do you believe that he only meant for the apostles to do that? Do you really think that when he called the apostles and sent them out, did you know outside of them following Jesus, they didn't have the nerve to do anything? They tried to do some things. Jesus sent them out in Matthew 10. He sent them out as 12 and gave them permission. But can I tell you, when things went wrong and people hated, they didn't hate him. They hated the leader of them because the leader was there. Jesus was in person. And they didn't hate the apostles. They didn't hate the disciples there. They hated Jesus. He was the one that sent them and gave them the power to do what they did. But guess what? Jesus was going to leave them. And he was going to go back to the Father. And when he went back to the Father, after he paid the price for you and I, he commissioned them to do a work. And that's what he's talking about. He commissioned us to do a work. And if you're waiting for somebody else to teach you about the Spirit of God, I'm going to tell you, it's when you get on your knees, when you cry out, Lord, I want to be used of you. I want you to be in me. I want you to use me. I want you to fill me with your presence. I want to be about you. And I promise you, if you keep searching for him and keep seeking for him that way, there ain't going to be no doubt you're going to be a witness for somebody's going to say, I don't know what's in you, but something real is inside of you. And you'll be a witness for him. And that's our call. That's every call to every Christian here. I'm not trying to put somebody down that has maybe special calls, special gifts, special things that God does in them. That's, that's between them and God. But don't want to be somebody else. Want to be what Christ wants you to be. He goes on to say in Luke uh, 24, 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, tarry in Jerusalem, till you be endued with power from on high. Then he said in Acts 1, he said, uh, verse 4, he said, Being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Don't get upset because we talk about the Spirit of God. We're not going to come here and say our, uh, do our duty and walk out the door and there be no life. If these bones are dead, Lord, bring us alive. We need life. We don't need death. The world needs life. They need to see life in you. They don't need to see death. They don't need to see religion. But the promise of the Father was coming. And it says in verse 8, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be what? Witnesses. 
witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Then in Acts 2, and you all, most of the time in the Pentecostal church, they talk about this all the time. We don't talk about it all the time, but I'm going to bring it up today. Acts 2, 4, he says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And you know, and I know, on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came upon us, on the apostles, and they began to speak his words. They spoke in the language of somebody that was listening from all different areas. There were people from different tongues all over the place, different languages that came to Jerusalem. And when the apostles began to, what were they talking about? What was the words being translated to these people? They were in their language, but what was it about? It was about Jesus Christ being the Son of God that laid down his life and salvation is in him. How many knows that's the call? How many knows that's the message? The message don't change. The message don't change today. It's still Jesus Christ is the way of salvation. And I praise God. I am free, not because I live in America. I am free, and I'll tell you something else. You're going to look throughout this Bible, and you're going to find apostles getting arrested in jail, but how many knows they were free? Amen. It didn't matter where they had them at. It didn't matter who hated them. It didn't matter who was going to kill them. It didn't matter whether they was going to live or die. They were free to do what they were doing, which was what? Witness for him. They, don't, they didn't lose the message. They didn't lose the mission. They didn't lose the commission that Christ gave them. And that's what we can't lose. We have a commission today. Church, we got a commission. I'm going to tell you right now, the church ought to be full because of what's wickedly going on outside. But they're not. They're not even looking for it. Number one, they need to see the light shine through us. They need to be drawn to his side. They need to be drawn in fear to come and repent of their sins, for they know death is right around the corner. All of us know death is right around the corner. In Acts 2, verse 12, and they were all amazed. Everybody was around was amazed, and they were in doubt, saying one to another, what means this, that the Holy Spirit has fell and all these people are speaking in languages we don't understand, talking to other people in other languages? What does this mean? They asked a question. Others mocked and said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter stood up with the eleven, lifted up his voice, and said unto them, you men of Judea and all ye that shall or that dwell in Jerusalem. How many knows? Judea and Jerusalem was where he said, you will go and you will witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. Well, let me tell you something. They're fulfilling this right now because they're speaking to the people from Judea and Jerusalem right there. But he goes on to say, be this known unto you and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's about the third hour of the day. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days that God will pour, his, pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I'll pour out in those days my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now somebody gets hung up on prophesy. They get hung up on the word prophesy. Well, I'm going to tell you something. What the prophecy is, 
is giving a spontaneous word. Now, I don't know about you, and I claim not to be no prophet, but I'm going to tell you right now, sometimes God said stuff to me, and I know it was God. And I'd say it to somebody, and they'd look at me like, he didn't know I knew that. He didn't know I was thinking about that. How did he say that? You know what? I have seen my father walk in and walk behind him in a, in a hospital and watch him speak directly to somebody, and I just look at my dad like, what in the world did you come up with that at? We were just talking casual talk till he got there, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God gave him something directly to say to that person. And I knew it. And Lee, I, could not, I couldn't ignore it. It was there. What was that? That was the Spirit of God doing the work in him. That was the Spirit of God reaching through. And I can tell you, that's spontaneous. That's a spontaneous word. Now, I know there's gifts in the church. There's gifts of prophecy. There's gifts of things. I'm not trying to confuse you with it, but I'm trying to tell you, uh, prophecy is giving a spontaneous word under the impulse of the Spirit to edify an, individ an individual or a congregation. We sometimes get a prophetic word here. Somebody will rise up. Sometimes they'll speak in tongues. Sometimes they'll just say it clear in English. But it's something that God has said to them, something that's bearing in their spirit, and the Lord says, say it now. And they rise up. You think we should be against that? I don't think so. We need God's presence. I need God's word coming out of you. I need God's presence in this place. I only know what God said to me this week. I don't know what God's saying to you. I don't know who's here. God knows who's going to be here. And he'll use each one of us different ways. And the last one I want to read of this is in Acts 4.33, where he told the apostles, it says here, uh, with, uh, with Luke's telling us, he says, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace. Was upon them. So what's going on? All the apostles are giving great witness. What are they giving great witness about? Jesus has left them. They're on their own. What are they witnessing about? They're witnessing because the power of God has come upon them and anointed them to go out and bring people to Christ. Go and tell the world. Go and tell them the gospel. That is the call of every one of us. It is. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Peter preached in liberty. How many sees that when you see Peter standing up there? All of a sudden, Peter's free. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God's on him, and Peter's not hiding behind Christ no more. No, he's standing out because Christ put him out there. And he's saying, I'm free to speak this word of truth. And guess what? It was taking every one of them to the day of death early. But they could not deny what was being said. Do you deny what's happened in you? Is what happened to you real? Is it alive inside of you? I don't know how you keep quiet if it's alive. I can't keep from standing up sometimes when they start taking, talking about dry bones and dead hearts. I can't, because re I remember when that was me. I remember sometimes the devil will rock me to sleep. And all of a sudden, the presence of God shows up, and he raises up my heart, and he raises me up and tells me, worship me, serve me. 
God has done a great work in a lot of us. Like she said it, don't let the enemy rock you to sleep. Don't look for somebody else to rise up and do what our call is. Our call is we have God. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father in us. I want you to turn to Mark, the 10th chapter. Peter preached in liberty. Luke wrote in liberty. John the Revelator wrote in liberty. Stephen and Philip in liberty witnessed for Jesus. They preached Jesus. And Paul in liberty was sent and preached Jesus, a witness to the Gentiles. How many sees that? You keep looking and you find out every one of them that God called, he gave them the power to go witness. It's all through scripture. The word witness keeps coming up. The, keep, the word keeps coming up. Guess what you and I are? We are, are evidence of somebody witnessing to us. See, I remember some of the things Danny and Darlene said to us. I remember some of the things that God had gave them to speak to young people and bring it forth. And I promise you, Andy, and, so, and you guys, sometimes you're, you think, oh, they're not hearing me. They don't understand. Yes, they do understand. They're catching it. And all they know is I'm accountable. I'm accountable to deal with this. And when the Holy Spirit hits them, they'll deal with it. They may walk out but God's dealing with them. And they'll recognize I'm running from God. I'm running away from the spirit of God dealing with me. That's what they'll recognize. I want you to look at Mark, the 10th chapter. I want to read something here. It says in verse 35, this is James and John. I want to tell you, so these are brothers. You know what their nicknames were? Sons of Thunder. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus calls them Sons of Thunder for a reason. I believe they got the nerve to speak to anybody. I think they was the ones that wanted to call uh, uh, fire from heaven and strike somebody down that wasn't walking with them. I'm pretty sure these guys were fired up. Now, we always hear what Peter, because he always speaks out and gets himself in trouble sometimes. But the real truth is, James and John are kind of a special two group. And I want you to hear, because these brothers are with him. They're the early apostles. They started with him. And listen to this. It says in James and John, verse 35, the sons of Zebedee came, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatever we shall desire. Sounds a little bit nervy, don't it? Lord, I come to you, I really, I want you to give me something, Lord. And he says, and he said unto them, what would you that I should do for you, Jesus said. And they said to him, grant us that we may sit, one on the right hand and other on the left hand, in thy glory. Now, you know what, that sounds kind of nervy, don't it? No, I want to sit right next to you, Jesus. I want me on one side and my brother on the other side. You think, what's the matter with these guys? Who do they think they are? Well, let me tell you something. What you're thinking is exactly what the rest of the apostles are thinking. The rest of the disciples are thinking. They're thinking, who are these guys? And what makes them think they get to sit next to him in his kingdom? 
But I want you to understand the last three words of that. It says, in thy, in thy glory. I want, to, I want to show you something in this that I never saw this week. And I started reading it and I got excited about it. But it says, verse 38 says, but Jesus said to them, you know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said unto him, what? We can. That's nervy too. Don't you think that's nervy? Yes, Jesus, whatever you do, I can do it too. I'll follow you wherever you take me. Now, they was nervy to say that, I think. But I also know that Jesus sees into the depths of the heart. And I want you to know something Jesus saw James and John's heart. And I'll tell you something. If there's special apostles, them two's it right there. As far as I'm concerned, they're special. Why? I will not be denied. I want to be as close to Jesus as I want as I can be. I want to be where he can use me the most. I want to be his child. I want to be right by. Why? Because I'm before I'm for everything he's for. I'm behind him a hundred percent. And it's not for my glory. It's not for James and John set on some kind of high seat. No, it's because it was for his glory. It was for thy glory, Christ. It's for you. How many knows they've already lost their self? They've surrendered to that whatever he says is good. Whatever he wants, that's what I want. They've surrendered their self to his glory. It's not about their glory. But nobody saw that but Jesus. He saw the depths of their heart. And he says, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. Wait, 39. Yeah, he says, and we can. And Jesus said unto them, this is the rest of 39. You shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of and with the baptism that I am baptized with, with shall you be baptized. How many knows? Jesus recognized, because Jesus could look down the future and know James and John was going to give it all for them. They wasn't debating about tomorrow. Tomorrow belongs to your glory, Lord. Let me tell you something. When you give your heart to God, count the cost. You need to make up your mind. I'm a witness for Jesus Christ. I might not be good at it, but I'm going to work at it all my life. Lord, I have one goal in my mind, that's to be your child, to witness for you, to be in the call that you've called me to be. Not the pastor up here, not this work deal detail. I'm not talking just about that. I'm talking about as a Christian. As a Christian, we're to walk where he can use us and to be where he can use us and to be full of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that he gave us. He didn't put us out there on his own. He sent us the comforter to take us through this life. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard that, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him. Now listen to this. And said unto them, you know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. 
but so shall it not be among you. But whosoever shall be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever will be the chiefest shall be a servant of all. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not talking. They ain't talking about me. You might think that's talking about me, but it's not. It's, not talk, it's talking about what John and James had inside their heart. I want to serve you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I just want to serve you. I want to be a witness for you. I want to serve you, Lord. You are the God of all ages that's come down and given us life, and I want to serve you. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Get it in your mind. You are a servant of Christ. You are not an American uh, first and all the other stuff that goes with your freedoms, and then I'll be a Christian. I don't care if they write we have right, uh, religious freedom or not in our Constitution. We didn't get it from them anyway. We got it from him. And they can't take it away. I don't care how many times they write it down or turn it around. They ain't going to take away what's inside of you. We're only living a short time here anyway. And we're going home to be with Jesus. But he's trying to explain to them, them Gentiles and the world will set up whoever the best is, they'll rule. Whoever the best is, we'll put them in authority over everybody. But that ain't the way the gospel works. Gospel don't work that way. No, for you to be, all you got to be is a servant. All you got to do is take a servant's heart. All you got to do is say, Lord, I desire to serve you. I want to tell you something. That was James and John's desire. I want to serve you for thy glory. Not put me on the pedestal. Put him on the pedestal. How many sees what I'm talking about? See, I think sometimes we read things and we skip right over what the heart of what was going on. Jesus called them all to him and said, let me explain to you, now that you think James and John was trying to be better than you, they weren't trying to be better than you. What's better in them is they got a heart that wants to serve me. How many sees that? I see it. I think it's God's. God was pleased. I can see the Heavenly Father smiling because I know that Jesus knew they had it inside of their heart. They wanted to serve him. Wasn't looking up, put me on a high seat. See, we do things for our own glory. Ministers do things for their own glory. Give me the big pat on the back. Tell me how great I am. Tell me, and you know what? It only comes down to the servant's heart. Jesus knows how high you are in him. He knows if you have a servant's heart. And we're servants because we're witnesses of him. Not half in, half out. Not part of the time. Not only on Sunday do I live for Christ. No, it's every day of my life. I, whatever you want, Lord, I want to be by your side for your glory. Shirley watches a show sometimes. Patty watches it. His glory. They call it his glory. It's on this uh, internet. And it's about a guy, it's a minister guy that's talking about the patriots and trying to get things back to where America ought to be. But the real truth is that his glory struck me. The fact of it's his glory, because the man says all the time, it's not for our glory, it's for his glory. 
And that's what we ought to be living. Christians, that ought to be our walk of life. That is our call. We're to minister, to be servants of him for his glory, not ours. And he says, verse 43, but so shall it be among, not be among you, but whosoever should be great to minister, and whosoever be chief to serve to borrow. 45 says, for even the Son of Man came not to minister to, but to minister. He didn't come to be ministered to. Jesus didn't come for us to minister him or the disciples to go around and carry him water and clean his feet and do all those things. That wasn't exactly what he, he didn't come for you to serve him. He came to serve us. How many sees that? So when you come, Christian, and you go in this world, you're going to serve him. You're not going to serve yourself. You serve others. You serve others like Christ did. That's what we are. And to give his life a ransom for many. Now, I want to I go to the 12th chapter of Acts. That's my last part. This is James. I want to read this just for a minute. It says in verse 1 of, of chapter, Acts chapter 12, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. They thought they'd got rid of this gospel when they killed Jesus, but they hadn't. How many knows what I'm talking about? And Stephen died preaching the gospel to him. He witnessed to him, and they killed him for it. He wasn't putting himself on a pedestal either. He's just doing what God gave him. But here's the first apostle to die. How many knows when Jesus spoke, when they, James and John came to him about sitting on the right hand and left hand, how many knows Jesus knew where James was going to end up and he also knew where John was going to end up? How many knows that's true? Do you know he knows the end of your story? All he's wanting you to do is be submitted. And these two brothers were submitted. James, it says here, in life or death. Listen to what I'm telling you. It says, now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were, all, were the days of unleavened bread. Look down at verse 7. And behold, the angel of the Lord came to him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side, the angel did and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird yourself, bind your sandals on. And so he did, and he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and knew not, wist not or knew not, that it was true which was done by the angel but thought he saw a vision. Peter thought, I'm having a vision. I'm in this prison. I'm locked up. And let me tell you something. They not only put him in prison, they put Peter in chains. And then when he went to sleep, you can read it in there, it says they had one soldier on one side and one on the other that was sleeping right next to him or laying right next to him. Why? To make sure he didn't get out. To make sure there was no hanky-panky going on. And he also had 
the door's all bolted and shut and the guard's out there. But how many knows God sent an angel? And let me tell you something. There's something else going on in this whole story that you don't really realize at the end. Listen to this. Verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, now he's out of prison. The angels brought him out. And he considered the thing, and he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, John Mark, where many were gathered together praying. People, what are they praying for? They're praying to get Peter out of prison. You ever pray for something and then be shocked when it happened? Well, they're praying for Peter to get out of prison. They want these apostles. They don't want, they found out James had killed and Peter's thrown in prison. And guess what? Peter was next. You can read the story. Peter was next. He was next on the death row. But God sent an angel. Because he, he decided. Now why? Why did James die and Peter go on? Let me tell you something. God knew James's heart and God knew Peter's heart. He knew exactly how he was going to use them and where. But James was willing, and he was a witness in death. How many knows James was a witness even in death? He would not deny Christ. He stayed true until they killed him. Peter's in prison. He gets out, and he comes there. And it says in verse 13, And Peter knocked at the door of the gate, and a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. We got a Rhoda. Praise God, we got a Rhoda here. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness. Rhoda got so excited, she forgot to open the door to Peter. She knew it was his voice, but she got so excited, she said, that's Peter out there. I know that's Peter. So she runs back in the room to tell everybody else, guess what? Peter's out there. And she told Peter, stood at the gate. And they said unto her, you are mad. Rhoda, sorry, you was mad. You're crazy. But she constantly affirmed that he, it was even so. Then said they, well, it must be his angel. Then Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They were surprised. Well, guess what? They've been praying to get Peter out of jail. And God sent an angel and opened the door, and they're shocked that it happened. And Rhoda was so excited, she forgot to open the door to it. But let me tell you something, another. God had a plan for Peter. Peter was going to preach more messages. Peter was still working. Now look at verse 18. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. How many knows? Why did they put it, the keepers to death? Because they didn't keep Peter. Did they have a choice? They didn't know what happened to those who done over. The angel delivered them out. Angel delivered Peter. They had no say about it. But Herod put him to death. Why? Because that was the penalty that was going to be on Peter. See, all the way from the beginning of this, when he went on and seen that after he killed James and it, it pleased the Jews, so he went and arrested Peter and stuck him in jail. 
and he was going to make an issue, make it known to everybody. He's going to kill Peter. Peter that spoke up so many times on the day of Pentecost and preached for five or six chapters after that. Peter that was the most outspoken. But how many knows God knows exactly how to encourage and discourage? He knows how to encourage the church. So you know what? Don't look down at what God's doing. Look up. Think about the witness that he's trying to get us to do. He's worked on me all my life to quit being silent and speak up. Now, I know you've got to pray when to speak up. But number one, first of all, you've got to have a witness inside of you. If you've got the Spirit of God in you, if you know Jesus forgave you, you've got something to talk about. And that's your witness. And God will use your witness. Maybe not just like somebody else, but he'll use it. God's looking for his witnesses today. Now, I ain't talking about Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm talking about the witnesses of Christ. I'm talking about those that witness the true spirit of God. I'm not talking about pushing a religion. I'm talking about putting Jesus Christ upon the pedestal and giving him glory. Because when people see that Jesus does love them and he will serve, he will save them, he will set them free, and they can be a child of God, all of a sudden they realize, I, no matter what I did, you mean you, he'll forgive me for everything I did? Yes, he will. He'll make you one of his own. We're witnesses for him. He's not raising somebody else up. He's raising the church up. He's raising God's people that has the witness inside. I know when I look back and I see Sue's mom and dad, there was a witness inside of it. And you know what? The whole family knew it. And the whole family never could get away from it. No matter what the world offered him, all the times there was that witness of mom and dad saying, live for Jesus, that's all that matters. You know what? That's what my mom and dad taught us. I don't care what you accomplish. I don't care what you do. I don't care how smart you are. If you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. How many knows what I'm talking about? The witness of Christ will carry on. Some of you got saved. Maybe you got saved by coming up to the front and a preacher uh, or somebody led you to the Lord and gave you scripture. And you may say, and I've heard Dad tell people, I didn't save nobody. Because they would say, Dad saved me. Saved him. And he'd say, I didn't save nobody. But can I tell you, you might meet people on the side of the road. You may see a sign on the side of the road, and the Holy Spirit will say, that's talking to you. I remember signs. I can see them in my, in my head going down to Kentucky. Prepare to meet that guy. Seen it on the side of barns. You think that ever just erased from my head? No, it always was there. What we do, what God gives you to do, do it with all your heart. Do it with glory to him and watch and see that God don't do something. There's many does not know right here that you've lived for God and it's made a difference in somebody's life. If you had not been there, if you had not witnessed, if you had not told them how God had saved you, how God had, had brought you through things, God's doing a work today. He's still doing a work. He's still doing a witness in every one of us. 
And all we got to do is not let the devil tell us to sit down and be quiet. Stand up for his glory. Stand up for his grace. Stand up for his mercy. Stand up for the salvation that's been paid for. And for the power. Get a hold of the power. Lord, whatever more you want of me, I don't have to have spiritual gifts that stick out. But I can tell you right now what i got to have is i got to have the Spirit of God in me. He can do with me what he wants to do. It's not my glory anyway. Why would I ask for things to make people think well of me or to think better of me? I don't want them to do that. I want things that God can use me in. And that's what he's trying to do. Becky, come on back up. In Revelations 1, verse 9, I'm going to go back to John. Now, we talked about James and how he died. But I want you to think about Jesus listening to James and John say, we want to sit on the right hand and on the left. And now he, I want to read one scripture in Revelation 1, 9 about John, John the Revelator. Here's what he said. He said, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for what? For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. How many knows John, after all those years and lost his brother, was the last apostle, but what was he on the isle of Patmos? What was he there? He was in prison. He was put on the isle of Patmos and separated from people. But why was he there? He was there for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus. And I tell you right now, that's why you can read John's writings. That's why you can read the book of Revelation. Because John stayed faithful to the call. He stayed faithful to the commission that Christ had gave him and his brother. Jesus knew the desire in both their hearts. He knew James' desire. And he knew John's desire. And one left early, and one was the last to leave. Think about it. But praise be to Christ. The glory goes to him for both lives. They were sons of thunder, and they deserved to be lifted up as the apostles of Christ because they carried his message. That's all that matters. Carry his message. Oh, Lord, what do you want from full gospel assembly? God, show us where to put our foot down next. Show us how to bring revival that will glorify your name. Not lift us up, but to glorify your name. Because if Jesus don't shine, many people's going into eternity without Christ. If the gospel don't shine, and it's how's it going to shine? It shines because... We're his witnesses. We witness of what he is doing in us. There's power in the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. He brought us power not to do, do spiritual things that way, but he's, he's not trying to glorify us in spiritual things. No, he's trying to make us stronger witnesses. 
How many sees what I'm talking about? We're to be witnesses. It's all through Scripture. And everyone that was called, they're to be a witness for Christ. If we're not a witness for Christ, then we might as well get our own truck and put our own name on it and say, you know, follow me. It's all about me. And a lot of gospel, a lot of ministries are doing that. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm not trying to pick at nobody. But I pray for them that they repent and get back to putting the glory where it belongs. Because lost souls are at stake. Lives are at stake. And I tell you right now, somebody that doesn't know Christ, they can be easily confused, easily deceived, easily miss it. I know it's a different message. his glory not ours it'll always be his glory when it ceases to be about him we might well shut the door when we when we don't want the presence of God in here we might well shut the doors it ain't about good singing it ain't about good preaching it ain't about none of that it's about Jesus Christ reaching our hearts oh Lord reach me reach me help me to be a better pastor, a better brother in Christ. Praise God. Everybody stand. Our liberty is to give the gospel. We have the liberty to give the gospel to this world. How many here's what I'm saying? Jesus gave us liberty to go out and speak the gospel to everybody we meet. They may hate your guts, so they hated Christ. So they hated the apostles. They may hate your guts. You may not fit into the world. You may not even get the job you want. Or you may lose the job you got. Let me tell you something. I'm not, I'm not trying to provoke you to do something bad. I'm trying to tell you, put Jesus first. Watch and see that he'll keep you and he'll bless you. And when you go to bed at night and he's on your mind and you rise up and his words is coming across your Sue's other brother, Harold, he'd been a singer all his life. He told me last night, he said, sometimes I wake up and I'll have such, I'll have a song and I'm singing it while I'm sleeping. I'm singing the song while I'm sleeping. He said, I was singing nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood. He said, I woke up singing that song. And he said, you know, I can't hardly get my breath no more to sing, but it's in here. It's in my heart. It's in my heart when I go to bed. And it's in my heart when I raise up. Let Jesus be the witness inside of you. And then you know what? You won't be ashamed to speak it to anybody. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Hallelujah. He's been good to us. He's blessed us. Praise God. If you need to pray, you come. It hasn't been a bed of roses. Since I started on my way, and Lord, you know I'm not.
of 